This is episode 14 with founder and editor-in-chief of MuslimGirl.net, Amani al khatatba Welcome to the Conquer Hub podcast. My name is Abu Layl and I'll be meeting with influential and inspirational figures every week to seek inspiration, motivation, and knowledge. Welcome back, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. We release a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our newsletter at conquerhub.com for all future updates. At the age of 23, Amani has been featured in New York Times, Fortune, Wall Street Journal, and Forbes as one of the leading media entrepreneurs under 30. In this episode, she talks about how she turned a blog from her bedroom into a successful online magazine, which has over a million readers and 40 contributors from around the world. Amani will share the habits and routines that led her to the top, and for the first time, she'll publicly discuss the biggest struggle she's ever experienced. To begin with, I mean, if you can just kind of give us the rundown of anyone that doesn't know how Muslim Girl did get started. Oh, how Muslim Girl got started? Yeah, so I started Muslim Girl when I was 17. I was in high school. Um, And yeah, I just, it's really funny because I guess it's a testament to how few Muslim women's websites were available online at the time that MuslimGirl.net was available. So I remember I just snagged it. I was like, all right, like, let me, like, let me do something with this, you know? Um, At that time, I was a total loner in high school. I just like kept to myself a lot. I wrote a lot. I always came home and like went on the blogs and there was a blogging platform. It's really old school now, but it was called Live Journal. I don't know if you if you I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've never used it. So I it was like during the time during Zanga. I remember like yeah, Live yeah. Journal and Zanga had like some him rivalry or something. But yeah, so I was on Live Journal and uh, I would write in it every single day and I remember that I was following communities on there. They're kind of like these groups that you could join um, on different topics. I was following a lot of the communities on Islam and like the ones for Muslim people and stuff like that and uh, I noticed that all of them were just topics that I did not enjoy or was interested in discussing. They were all people that were that seemed much older than I was at that time as a teenager Um, and it was all like, this is haram, this is halal, this is this and that. And it was just things that I was not, it wasn't pulling me in, you know? So I made a community for Muslim girls. It was called Muslim Girls. Um, and I just like started it because I was like, maybe there's other Muslim girls on Live Journal that want to talk about real issues, like yeah. actual real topics. And then I remember within five days, we got like a thousand members and it just like kind of blew up. And then Live Journal posted it, like, highlighted it on their main page and were like, you know, this is a new community popping up. It's for, like, Muslim girls and stuff. So it just, everyone started pouring in. Um, And a lot of the people, like, I would guess that maybe 50% of those people were non-Muslims. And they just saw it and were intrigued and were like, oh, we want, it was... We want to understand how Muslim girls are Yeah, exactly. We want to learn about this stuff. And it was cool for us because they get to learn from it directly from us, like, Mm -hmm. Muslim girls. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't have an agenda. We're just girls being girls. Like, that's what we said at the time, whatever that meant to us, right? We're just talking about issues that were relevant to us and that impacted our lives. And we had an audience of both Muslims and non-Muslims that also engaged in these discussions with us. Um, And it was during that time that I started uh, getting a lot of questions about Islam, both online and in real life. So that's when I kind of had to like force myself to really learn Islam in and out so I can be able to respond to these people and answer them. 
Um, and obviously a lot of that was like Islamophobic, you mm-hmm. know, taking Quran quotes out of context and like making Gus have to answer for them. Um, but yeah, so seeing the overwhelming initial success of a live journal community, I was like, okay, well, maybe we should make this a standalone thing. So then I geared up with somegirl.net to use for that purpose. So I made it its own separate blog. I told everyone in the community about it. And those people, the live journal users, were the initial audience that we had when we first started MuslimGirl.net. Um, everyone started coming to um, MuslimGirl.net so they can read the new topics. A lot of our first writers were those girls that were in that community. Um, in addition to like girls that I knew in real life, obviously, like my friends from school and stuff like that that started at this, that, that were the first writers to start this with me. Um, and yeah, like we just started going for it you know i think at that time it wasn't necessarily that we were writing to an audience or that we intended to make this like a huge thing i think that our intention was just to have a space for us to connect with each other and to Mm -hmm. communicate with one another and just talk about the issues that were affecting us like we were these young muslim girls going through islamophobia um and i think that that's basically what drew the audience that we got in the first place, I think which is pretty ironic. I think it's awesome that you did this all at the age of 17. I mean, most 17-year-olds nowadays still don't have a you know, clear idea of what they want to do in life. And for you to develop a platform for Muslim girls, is it's cool. It's very creative at the same time. Did you know what you were doing or what your mission was? Did you See, have an idea? I mean, to go thing. from a blog to a website, mm-hmm. that's a big step. And yeah, but that's the thing. Like... I don't think that at that time I knew what I wanted to do with my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't right. think it's necessarily about that. I th- Like, for, for us, Muslim Girl, it came from necessity. It was a natural result of what we needed at that time. And we just started, We the more, the more that it grew, it grew because people needed it even more, you know? And we just kept feeding it. And that's how it's reached the, the place that it's reached this year. I think this is the first year where... Um, I personally became strategic about it and I started thinking like, okay, how am I going to turn this into a business now? Like, right. how are we going to become sustainable? Because like I said, with the the point that it has grown to, we just can't support ourselves that way anymore. Like we have to actually get serious about it. Um, and also like what that means for us, right? So for me, like after I graduated high school, when I entered college, that's when I started becoming more exposed to feminist literature. So I started reading Bell, Bell Hooks, Audre Lorde, all these like Im- incredible thinkers. And I think that um, Muslim girls started expanding to reflect that. So the content started becoming more critical. It started becoming more self-aware. And in that process, which also has led us to this process, like post-grad for me, is that a lot of the empowerment for women is found within financial support with monetary sustainability, right? So it's kind of like being financially empowered is a crucial part of... um, feminism and you know being independent women so for us it's kind of like also we're creating all this content online and historically women of color have always been robbed of the credit of the work that they put in mm-hmm. so we're, do- we're getting all these republication requests from from other outlets now and things like that but we're not getting the compensation that we deserve for it and i think that's the place where we're at right now it's okay we're doing great people are interested this and that but let's also not get exploited and let's not have all of our hard work be taken advantage of for sure, for sure. And you've worked with Huffington Post. You've had your articles contributed now with Forbes. You were just featured in the New York Times. Uh, you also interned for Vice. Is that I right? I interned for Vice, yeah. Okay. And now we have columns, like regular columns in Fortune and in Teen Vogue as well. Wow. So those are, and, and in Huffington Post. So those are like outlets that we're regularly 
contributing content to. So imagine that, right? It went from being just like this website for us, like in our little corner of the internet to now we're like actually exporting these opinions regularly to these major outlets and in a variety of fields. So for fortune, like business and politics, for Teen Vogue, like fashion and lifestyle and things like that. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Wow. Tell me more about the crowdfunder. You you raised twenty five thousand dollars through a crowdfunder. How'd you do that? Yeah, we raised twenty five thousand dollars just off of our readership alone, and our readership is primarily like high school and college students. So you can imagine that these are girls that were just dipping into their pockets and giving what they could because it was a project that they believed in. Um, I think that our average donation was probably around forty dollars. So it's literally like saving up whatever is left from a week. You know what I mean? Like right, on lunches right. and stuff. So it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean. Basically, we just tapped into what it is that we're doing, like what our mission is. Um, and that's what we made what we made it all about. We wanted to talk about how this money is going to really empower us and allow us to put a product um, back onto the market that is even more beneficial than what we're doing right now. We emphasize to everyone that, you know, with all of the accomplishments that we had made for Muslim Girl up until that point that summer, um, that was all done on a $0 budget. And that was all us doing it volunteer from our hearts because it's something that we believed in. And now with the extraordinary growth that we experienced, we really needed support from the people that were benefiting from all of this, right? And we wanted these, we wanted especially to have um, the support of our community. We wanted them to have our backs because without your community, like what is the point of the initiative in the first place, you know? So we told everyone, you know, any money that you put in, it's going to come back to you. You're going to see it right on your computer screens, on your mobile phones, you know? And I think that... Um, especially after the way things kind of blew up for Muslim Girl, after the crowdfunding campaign. Um, I think that so far we're, we're, we're staying true to our word and we're proved, proving to people that that's exactly what we intended to, to do and that's what we're doing. Were you expecting to make that much money? Uh, I don't know what we're expecting exactly. All we knew was that that's what we needed. So yeah. we were hoping that our community was going to meet us halfway and like be there to so support us. So you hit us. the goal. And yeah, we hit the goal. And how did you how did you reach out to everybody? Well, through social media. So, like I said, we depended entirely, almost entirely, like on our own readership mm-hmm. for the people that we were reaching out to. Um, and then also, obviously, like the extended networks of the people that follow us, um, our friends and their friends and their friends and things like that. That's kind of how social media goes, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> you keep saying we. When you started, did you start this alone? Did you or did you have some sort of mentorship to kind of help guide you to go to the next step? Um. I have always been blessed with like amazing mentors and I found I've always found amazing mentors at the most like necessary points in my life I think you know mm. it's always like the perfect people that I meet at the right time um, when I first started Muslim Girl I started it on my own but the thing is, is no project will get anywhere without a team and that's why we call ourselves the Muslim Girl Army it's because it really takes <laughs> an army with everything that we're going up against um, so it really, like, Muslim Girl would be nothing without all the women that have been behind it since the start. How many did you start off with and how many are you right now? Um, we started out with a writing team of, like, a handful of girls, definitely less than 10. And now we are a, a global staff of uh, 40 writers. Wow. So, and that's in addition to, like, editors that we have that are regularly, re- regularly editing, writing, managing the website, things like that. So. Mm-hmm. And have you had, were, was it in the beginning, were you reaching out to people trying to get them on your team and... Or and is it now them reaching out to you, or is it uh, still you're trying to find the at right? At the beginning, it was just very natural. At the beginning, it was 
just the closest girls I was always seeing around me. You know what I mean? Like we would always be, it would be convenient for us to like meet up and, and write and discuss and things like that. Um, but yeah, now we're always, we're get, we're, we're constantly getting like applications for girls that are interested in and things like that. And for us, we really like to tap into what girls are passionate about and try to mentor them in whatever their interests are. So we always try to like find a way to like fit a girl in. Like if she's really passionate about Muslim girl and what we're doing, but her interest might be an outlier and she's like doing this or whatever, we'll like find a way to kind of like include that in what we're doing as well. So Muslim girl, like as you see it, is actually a product of all these different like creative minds and wow. talents and intellects like coming together and, and creating this product. So aside from passion, yeah. what, what else do you look for in someone when you're when you're making the decision to bring them on your team? Ability to hit deadlines. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Like reliability, I think, is like the most important thing. That's a crucial part of any person's personal brand, I think, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's definitely played a role in a lot of the work that I've done personally as well. So. Okay. Aside from, you know, the work ethic that you look for in other people, can you tell us a little bit about what you do to help you stay motivated, help you stay focused on not only finishing off your current deadlines, but at the same time focusing on the future? Um, I think that, so I have, I have a book that is just an entire book made up of to-do list pages uh-huh. and it's really, it gets really scary sometimes because it just accumulates so much. You're just like, Oh my God, it's so overwhelming. But I think that that's like a really good way to keep track of what you have to do. I have like daily to-do lists and then like targets of like things that we need to like accomplish. So the to-do lists, I guess, are the step-by-step like day-to-day, like how to get to those targets and stuff. But it's always good to, um, Keep keep your vision in mind and then just match each day to that. You know what I mean? For sure. So for me, I actually do something very similar. I also have to daily to-do lists, but I like to, to fill it out the night before. Mm. So that way, as soon as I mm-hmm. wake up, I'm already going oh, yeah, and working same. on what I need to do. Absolutely. And then I have, for my checklist, it's like long-term and then like short-term. So mm. things that I definitely need to get done, you know, mm. for the upcoming and then things I need to get done now. So kind of like to help prioritize... Um, do you keep a journal? A personal journal? I used to. Okay. I keep trying to get back into the habit of it. What are what are some things you write about when you when you had a journal? Um, so the last time that I had like a regular journal was during my live journal days. I was writing every single day. I I look back at those journal entries a lot actually. I, I looked back at that journal like six months ago, I think. Because mm-hmm. I was having this moment where I was like, okay what am I doing with my life right now? And is this what I had envisioned for my life when I was in high school? Like, is would I have made that girl proud? You know, so I like went into my old journal and I tried to like dig up uh, an article or like an entry, I mean, uh, like to see if I ever wrote like, oh, when I, after I graduate college, I hope I'm doing this, you know, just so I can like compare and see if I'm on track or not. Um, and I think that that's, that's what journals, that's the purpose that they've served for me. You know, it's kind of like, it's really important for me now to try and get back into the habit of it only because I think that especially for, um, young people, it puts things into perspective a lot and it really just keeps things in context, you know? Um, and for me, like, I really want to document this journey. This is like, now we're getting to the good stuff, you know? So I definitely want to be writing it down and stuff, but it's always good to have that, to have those records just so you know, you always know, like the, you always know where you came from. You right, always know right, the person right. that, that you are. You know. You see, you get to celebrate your success. You get to see where you were struggling and you you failed. You get to like so, make sure you're staying true to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So you were. Did you see your goals come to life from your journal, or do you still have a lot of things written down that you haven't accomplished yet? So. It's really funny. Um. So okay, 
this is going to be borderline like really cocky what i'm about to say but i'm always i always try to keep it real right For so sure, this actually to. like happened so um when i was in high school like right after i think it was like right after i graduated high school right before i started college um i wrote this entry in there and i think it was like at that time um like this dude like he like defriended me off facebook like, something happened and something went down <laughs> with this guy right and i wrote this like blog post it it, I know that it had to have been high off of a Lady Gaga quote or something. Like, she has this quote where, like, about her ex, where she says, there's going to come a day where he walks into, he's not going to be able to walk into a deli without hearing my voice or, like, seeing my face, you know? And at that time, I was like, oh, well, sucks for him that he's also going to Rutgers because there's going to come a day when um, he's not going to be able to, like, walk around campus without seeing a flyer with my name on it or Ooh. without, like, reading a blog about me or, like, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Ooh, like, yeah. I just, like, had it in my head that I was going to come to college and I was going to tear things apart when I got here, you know? And uh, I read that, like, like, probably six months out of college. And it was after this entire ordeal, like, a national controversy happened around my... Um, like jo my job post as an opinions editor for the school paper and I was in the Huffington Post and I was like really active on campus for the Condoleezza Rice protests and stuff like that so I was like wow like it actually like exactly what I told myself I wanted to do like it, it, it ended happened, up happening right. you know like came to life I think that also that's a really important part of journals right it's kind of like a, a daily vision board and I believe I really do believe in like the law of attraction and like Just, like the vision, you know, like when you have the vision in your eyes, you have to make it come to life. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's that's what ended up happening. So law of attraction basically is you it's kind of like you have a positive mindset and everything is positive. Yeah. Even the negative things. Mm -hmm. So do you still practice the law of attraction till, till now? Absolutely. OK, that, that's the thing. So it might sound like an exaggeration when I say that I make sure every negative is a positive, exactly. but you have to, because the thing is, the game is entirely mental. That's kind of like now that I'm in it and now, now that I'm like hitting all these milestones that I only dreamed about, not even just like a year ago, right? Now I can like see what it's taken to get here and I can tell you wholeheartedly that it's all mental. It's about endurance. It's about like, what can you... How, how much can you stay in this, right. you know, until that moment, until like you hit your goal. It has a lot to do with like sacrifice. It has a lot to do with like, with scrapping it, being a hustler, things like that. But um, law of attraction is definitely important. Like for me, the hardest part of this entire journey has been those nights when you're like by yourself in the dark and you're just like, crap, this is hard. Nobody sees the struggle. No one sees what goes on. <laughs> no right. one sees the sleepless nights. No one sees like the tossing and turning, the anxiety that you get mm -hmm. from it and stuff like that. Um, and the thing that I've learned is that everyone, everyone goes through these moments, you for know what sure. I mean? Like everyone does. The doubting so. moments where you're like, this is not for me. Like, yeah. What am I doing? I should just go back exactly. To, exactly. to the nine to five. It's, yeah. it's literally about surviving those moments. That's mm -hmm. what it's come down to for me. It's like, okay, like, can I get through the, can I get through this like moment of darkness? Like as soon if I do, like just as soon as I get to the other side of this, it'll be okay. You know, it's just about telling yourself that it's like making sure that one positive voice wins out in your head. That, I think that that's honestly what it comes down to. What was the biggest challenge you've ever experienced? <sighs> For a Muslim girl? Anything in life. Since you started Muslim girl, let's say. Damn. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this yet. This is what Conquer the Struggle is about. <laughs> You had a struggle. You faced it. How did you accomplish it? How did you overcome okay, so, it? Because I'm yeah. sure, like it's it's moments, it's things like these that people will hear and and can 
probably will be sharing some of them will be sharing the same thing that you've experienced and okay i'm about to get mad real on you right now straight up um yeah interestingly enough i think that the last three months of my life have been the, the hardest of my entire life and I'm saying that as I'm about to be on the brink of probably the happiest moments of my life that I've been like working so hard for. Um, but like the past three months have been so rough because of the fact that we were running out of crowdsourcing money. We were still, we've been still trying to like get the funding down. So it's kind of like, uh, the past three months have been that moment, like, you know, when you're like swinging from branches and you let go of the last branch and you're like about to grab the next one. I was like hovering in that moment, you know? Um, and it's terrifying because like I said, it's all mental. And for me, I'm, I just could not, uh, it's so hard to talk about. It's like, <laughs> so I've been homeless okay, and I was couch surfing from like place to place and trying to survive on like whatever I could um, just so I can like keep Muslim girl going, you know? And it's, it's rough because for me, and I think one of, the, one of the first questions that I get is about funding, right? Like about the girls that work for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we're entirely volunteer. So we still haven't even like started up a payroll or anything yet. Obviously the crowdsourcing money is not sustainable for that at all. It's pocket change compared to what you need for that, right? And I always tell people that, and this is what I wrote in, in my last Forbes column too, is that my utmost priority is always the women that we have to take care of. There are girls on our staff that have been sacrificing so much to put into Muslim girl because they believe in it. One girl a couple of weeks ago lost her real nine to five job in the entertainment industry. She's supporting her mother and she lost her job because she was spending so much time on Muslim girl, especially wow. after all of like Donald Trump's ridiculous comments and all the attacks and stuff like that. It pulled on her, on her, our Muslim girl's needs pulled on her energy so much. And she was so into it that she was like diverting her focus from work and that ended up happening. Um, another girl told me that she's completely lost interest in her job working for like a major law firm in Manhattan. Wow. And all she could do or think about like in the office is work on Muslim girl now. And she told me like, I'm waiting for the moment that I can like work for you full time. Right. So for me, this is always like weighing heavy on my conscience. It's always like in the back of my head. And the only thing that like lets me get through it, all the like anxiety and pressure I have, like having people to take care of is the fact that, um, they're not going through anything that I'm, I have been willing to go through myself. And knowing that, like, the fact that I've ha had to sacrifice, like, a nine-to-five, financial security, a, a stable shelter. I sacrificed a, a master's degree from Georgetown for this. You know what I mean? Like, I've put in a lot for it. And I think that that's why the past few months have been so hard. Because it's like, all right, now it's do or die. Like, now it's not now or never. And it's survival. That's honestly what it comes down to for us, you know, especially as women of color. And we've never had something like this for our community before. And a lot of it also for me came down to that ayah in the Ma'al Asri Yusra and um, having to like just be able to survive those moments, hoping that when you get out of it, you're going to be okay. And now, yesterday, I just put down a deposit on our first Muslim girl studio which is also going to be my home. It's enough space for us to have a setup for the girls that we're going to start having on staff full time. 
it's finally a place for me literally my dream situation of like being out in brooklyn amongst all these other like media companies being able to just like hustle out of the small space that we have and make this dream happen like it's about to be us against the world and we're finally gonna get like that fuel into the engine that we need to keep this going and for the first time this year i think i can like finally breathe and say like all right we're about to make it like we're hitting that point and we got there you know but this it's been rough and that's what i that's what i try to tell people is that like on social media it looks so pretty and shiny and sparkly and like oh my god why don't i have that and like this and that but like no one sees how hard it's been no like as much as i try to talk about it or like write about it on online and stuff like that how can you capture that you know like how can you capture not knowing where you're gonna lay your head to to bed at night Mm -hmm. how can you capture like you know oh right i'm gonna sneak into this dining hall today just so i can have lunch (laughs) you know like these are things that aren't spoken about and i think that that's that's what makes up the struggle it's it's never about so a lot of people always want like the secrets to success and they think it's just like this formula that's going to get them what they want in their dreams and stuff like that but what it comes down to is how much you're willing to sacrifice for it i think because sure. I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask for me for my advice and be like, okay, like I want to do this. Like, what do I do? So like one friend of mine, for example, they said, you know, I want to do this. I want to be a millionaire by this age. I want to do that. Like, um, what can I, what, what, what can I do about it? And, uh, they weren't, I gave them advice and they're just like, no, but like, I want to keep a balanced life. I want to have right, enough balance right. between my work, work life like and my that. social circles. I still want to have time to hang out or whatever. I was like, okay. Like, and they're like, yeah, I can't, I can't do what you're like asking me to do because like, what about my family? You know what I mean? Right. I was like, okay. But like, then now you just stated your priorities. And if you don't want it badly enough, you're not going to get it. Like there, it's, it's a trade-off. It, there are going to be sacrifices that you have to make. You know? Just to go back a little bit, yeah. congratulations on your new spot in Brooklyn. Thank you. Like, hope to visit. Hope to visit someday. Absolutely. Um, your story gave me the chills. I Thank think you. that's deep, um, and I completely agree with you. It's when if you ever, you know, want to chase your dream or you want to chase something you truly believe in, you have to put it all on the line. You have to be willing to to do you know to stay up late and put everything that you have towards accomplishing your dream and. You know, not I think everyone's willing to do it. No, and that's and right, and nobody and everybody wants to have that that mm-hmm. you know friend friendship balance where yep. they're hanging out and they're still doing the same thing, yeah. and then somehow they just think they're just gonna start making money yeah. doing what they love. Exactly. For me, it's like I quit my job. I see my friends maybe once a week. Um, you know, it's when everybody's going out Friday, Saturdays. I'm at home. I'm at home working. I'm on the computer. Mm-hmm. It's a 6 a.m. mornings, you know, mm-hmm. on a Saturday, on a Sunday that people are sleeping in. It's it's those are the kind of the days that that you're you, that nobody sees. Yep. You know, you're struggling, you're grinding. And, you know, at the same time, you're still trying to do everything else you need to do in mm-hmm. life, whether it's to, to make money or or hang out with your family just a little bit or yep. communicate and kind of keep up with everybody. So, you yep. know, keep up the great work. Um, I think what you're doing is amazing. So, so no, absolutely. Um and definitely it's, a, it's yeah. a learning lesson for anybody who who has something that they want to accomplish and you just don't know where to start it's to me it's if if you ever want to do anything good in life it's the hardest thing is, is fear it's overcoming the fear oh, of yeah. of taking the step into whatever it is you want to pursue and then of course it's the habits that you you build and develop um, nothing happens overnight success is not overnight thing you know it, the the whole you know overnight success is not a real thing overnight success is habits that are just repetitive and continuously oh, yeah. done that lead to success totally and that's the thing too is that so for i'm a muslim girl right 
the past six months have been really great, mashallah. Um, we've been getting like a lot of really great headlines and stuff like that. And people see that, but they don't realize that that's after how many nights or how many months of nights of no sleep. You know what I mean? Right, like right. people see like the end result, but they don't see like how long it took to get to that point in the first place. Um, I think that's that's pretty crucially important, you know? For sure. In case you're wondering, I sleep six hours. Six hours? <laughs> that's like, that's my minimum. Um, I typically don't sleep... I try not to sleep any less. I do, but I never sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. If I do, it's like six and a half. I feel like if I'm sleeping under six hours, I'm just kind of like, you know, in this vague reality. I'm not really enjoying yeah, it. Sleep you know, is always the I'm first going, casualty. Oh, for, for sure. For yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think the next best thing for to keep to keep your work consistent and to, to as far as the quality of what you're delivering is is the diet for me it's like i have to eat healthy if i'm if i'm eating out and i'm eating like fried food and i'm drinking sodas like yo that's just like slows me down oh my god uh, water yeah. water as dj Khaled would say like is the key to success like in reality it's it's the definitely it's, it's essential <laughs> right it's an essential like i mean you know you know you definitely need it and especially mm-hmm. i think people now are more dehydrated than ever because everybody's yeah. drinking all you know sodas and caffeine and yeah. No, you're, you make an excellent point. This is actually something that I don't talk about enough, but my uh, health journey is very intertwined with Muslim girls' okay. success journey, I think. Because, um, like, for me, this past year, I lost 80 pounds. Wow. And I oh, did awesome. the... And it was going on... So, basically, the day that I decided to do Muslim girl, like, you know, to actually turn it into, like, a publication and stuff. That was, like, the same time that I decided to kick all the unhealthy lifestyle habits and focus on getting healthier. That's what it was for me. Like, I didn't lose weight because I was making it about losing weight. I made it about having a healthy lifestyle, drinking enough water every day, getting in the exercise that I need, getting in the nutrition that I need and stuff like that. And I noticed that the better I took care of myself, the better Muslim girl was doing. Right. Because, and that's, that's something that I think young people overlook a lot, is that you can only put into your work 100% 100% if you're personally at 100% and we always sacrifice self-care. We never put in enough self-care, you know? I agree with you That's completely. definitely like a habit you have to develop. Yeah. I agree with you completely. So, um, and I think along with that, it's essential to uh, eating healthy is exercise. Mm-hmm. It's like my must is I'm, I probably exercise more than I need to. I, I think I aim for five days, but I end up finding other ways to Get, either get play active. sports or do mm-hmm. something i just don't like you know it's sitting sitting behind the computer to me is already pretty boring mm-hmm. even though i might be working on something that i'm passionate about it's just the whole sitting process and not mm-hmm. moving so yep. sometimes it's just breaking away from the computer and going for a 15 minute walk just getting some breath in it's, it's amazing how you can get back to work and you just you know thinking different your your productivity levels higher you're not just kind of like yeah, I'm kind of working, but you're thinking about 20 different other things or you're jumping on social oh, yeah. media and, oh, you know, yeah. they have actual no, good like, focus and concentration. When I was, like, gearing up Muslim Girl and everything, it was during the time that I had my 9 to 5 in D.C. at a nonprofit, And so I would be working on Muslim Girl the morning before work started, the evening after I got out of work. But, like, in between, like, when I was at work, during my lunch break, I always went to the gym. And that was kind of, like, the recharge that I needed in the middle of the day, like, to get through that hump exactly. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you're working on aside from MuslimGirl.net? We are we're partnering with Teen Vogue on a new web show, and it's going to be coming out early 2016. Nice. And uh, it's gonna be thank you. It's gonna be uh, just a series of videos that are geared towards a non-Muslim audience. You know, like Teen Vogue's audience basically, okay. and it's gonna be Muslim women speaking to them. It's gonna be 
uh, for their Facebook page. Okay. So it's going to be videos like uh, ask a hijabi or, you know, misconceptions about Islam, things like that. You know, typical things that I feel like for, for us, for Muslims, we are always repetitive about them. But to, sure. to do them as like a reference for such an iconic publication and to have them live online, I think it's going to be a a tremendous it's gonna have a tremendous impact you know especially for young people so i'm really looking forward to that how were you able to lock that in um so teen vogue actually did a profile it was one of the first profiles that was written about me and it was earlier this summer so i think that we developed a relationship with them from there we mm -hmm. were they they just knew about us since then so um we locked in a column with them so that we can regularly contribute right. contribute there and then this was like a natural um, result of everything so, so they kicked the, the idea off to you or you i think that i think that we both sat down and, and talked nice, about nice. you know potential for collaboration and stuff like that what we think that both of our audiences would be interested in seeing and we thought this would be like a really good idea very nice so somebody that may be interested in starting up their own magazine or or maybe even just a blog or whatever it may be something that they're passionate about what, what type of advice would you give them you just have to start you just have to get the domain or like what you don't even have need to need a domain dude open up a tumblr or something mm -hmm. and just start um and you know create content that people are actually going to want to read something that's going to contribute to the conversation one thing that also i guess uh is a pet peeve of mine and i think is always regurgitated within the media circles is when people rip, rip ideas off of each other i think that we're seeing a lot of the same product just like being repackaged over and over and over again it's like what's the point of putting in over your time and like whatever like having to quit your job and like put an energy into something or whatever if it's just going to be a second rate the, something like, something's, product, al yeah, yeah, something's already, already doing. out there yeah. you know exactly so it's kind of like come up with something unique like something that the world needs it's really easy for us to say oh my god every idea under the sun has been repeated already everything has been thought of da, da, da. But like it's not and especially with like changing technology there's always new opportunities opening up and you just have sure. to think about how to fit in with them and i think to add on to that something else a lot of people can do when when they're trying to to jump into something um is take something that's already working and redesign it off that, you know what I mean? Don't, learn, don't yeah, write. Like, learn don't, from the case studies. Exactly. Take that blueprint and make it much better than it already is and make it much different than it already is. Second thing I wanted to add is anything that you design or you create, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing oh, yes. to kind of get embarrassed or just oh, yeah. kind of, because that's the thing is most people create amazing things, amazing videos or have, you know, amazing ideas, but they never pursue them because they're just too afraid of, you know, the feedback or the criticism that they might get you'll never know until you try and even yeah. if you try you more than likely will not succeed the first time around oh yeah you're probably gonna fail and it's not gonna be one or two times it might be many times but you know essentially along the way i feel like oh, totally you true. learn from it and then you know eventually you become more comfortable with receiving negative feedback and then eventually i'm sure for you you've you've probably heard plenty of it oh yeah with absolutely. some of the work you've done and some of the articles you've written no, yeah. I think that that's an excellent point that you make. That's actually something that I've struggled with for the longest time. And as much of a social media hug I may seem, it actually is really difficult for me to put things out there online and also just to put my work out there, I guess. Mm -hmm. it's like every time I post a, For a new Forbes column or something, I freak out. I have anxiety. Like <laughs> I just like post the link on my Facebook and I quickly like log out, like shut it, shut it off like on my phone or on my computer and stuff like that and just like not look back like for, for, a few, uh, for a few moments until whatever. Um, but yeah, so basically for me, so another thing that I'm working on is I'm launching my personal YouTube channel, um, in tw early 2016 too, okay, inshallah. Sweet. 
And that's something that I've been wanting to do since high school. I've always wanted to start a YouTube channel. So like a blog, you're going to be basically... Be, like vlogging, yeah. Right, right. I love video editing. It's just like a personal passion of mine. And it's something I've always wanted to do. But I've always stopped myself because I'm so scared. <laughs> it's just so vulnerable, you know, like to put yourself out there. And it's kind of like... Oh my God. So one of the one of the number one things for me, like the reason why I never started a YouTube channel, that I tell people now, like whenever I tell people this, they're like, okay, do you realize how stupid that sounds? But for me, it's always been, oh my God, I don't want to have to endure that awkward like beginning stage of having like a hundred subscribers, like less than like l- like less than fifty views on each video or something. You know what I mean? It's just like it seems really embarrassing, and you don't want people to like see that or you feel like a loser and stuff like that. I've always just wanted to hold off on this entire project just so I don't have to endure that, right? It's kind of like that is really stupid when you think about it because obviously if it's something you're, you're passionate about, you shouldn't let anything stop you right. and you should just breeze. You, if you are as passionate about it as you think you are or as you say you are, you're going to breeze past that point in no time, you know? Um, so yeah, like for, for you go ahead. I was just thinking like yeah. for me, you know, I have a, I have a YouTube channel. I've had it for probably about three years. I don't think I have more than 150 subscribers on it, but yeah, I'm still creating content i mean the content that i make right. is not necessarily about my life or myself it but yourself. it's but it's travel but it's, it's something that i enjoy and yeah. i put out there and i don't necessarily need to reach you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. i if Do i can inspire yourself. one person and that person may be even just me i'm happy with it exactly you see that's the thing it's always about recentering the intention behind it exactly right? it's, yeah exactly it's like exactly it, that's it, it that's a perfect way to say it it's like if you if your work could just help one person out there then it's all been worth it you right know? you did something you did yeah. something just that's enough exactly and we got but, really caught up in social media like we, no, we everybody value to the numbers a lot it's, uh, it's very yeah. sad but that's how it is is a lot of people look at the numbers as far as how popular you are or, yeah. or the quality of work that you're doing there's people i see who have like hundreds and thousands of people but the quality of work that they're producing Crap. is complete garbage. Yeah. And I'm still wondering, like, who uh, who's watching these yeah. videos? And meanwhile, you have people with, like, exceptional quality work and they only Nothing. have, like, yeah. And all, I think a lot of that is, is the people that are successful, yo, they're the ones yelling the loudest. They're the ones that are throwing themselves out there. They're the mm. ones that are, that are publishing their videos anywhere and everywhere that they can mm. think of. And the ones that aren't necessarily receiving, you know, that same retention from their audience is... They just kind of make videos and just post them up. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to put yourself out there. There was this uh, picture that was circulating on Twitter the other day. And it was uh, earlier tweets of all these rappers that are like famous in the game right now. Like J. Cole. But like a tweet that he posted from years ago when he was on the come up like, oh my God, it hit 1K followers. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Or something like that, you know? Or like these other rappers. I think like Chance was one of them or something. Like, oh my God, can you, guys, can you guys please follow me? Like, you know, I'm gonna... Or like another person, one of them was like, oh, um, you know, I I just listened to J. Cole's album. Can't wait till he hears mine one day. Wow. And like now he's on the same That's part dope. as J. Cole, you know? And it's yeah. kind of like, it puts things into perspective. Like, yeah, everyone had to start out from that point. You know, exactly. you had to be the person being that annoying like putting yourself out there like that asking for the follows trying to get people to share your for stuff sure. but that's how it for starts sure. it's stuff like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> what's so. your favorite social network huh um i think for me personally it's facebook okay um i think that that's where i have like the most engagement only because uh that's that's for me most conducive to dialogue okay uh, in my opinion like it's just sure. like you you get to sit down and actually like write out lengthy comments and engage and things right, like yeah. that 
Um, I think that Twitter is really useful though because with Twitter, everything's like quick and mm-hmm. you always know who's like sitting behind their account, right? Like even these like famous ass people are, you know that they're the ones like handling their stuff most of the time, you know right, what I mean? Right. So it's kind of like a direct communication with these individuals and stuff, it's a level playing field. Good stuff. What ex- And what exactly is it that do you do that on, a, on a day-to-day basis? Um... Working on Muslim Girl? Yeah. So Muslim Girl is entirely managed online. So it's really boring for anyone that wants to sit with me when I'm working because all you get to see is me staring at my laptop screen and just like typing really angrily all the time. Um, but yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. And it's really funny because like that's... But I'm saying like you're doing the writing, you're editing. Oh, and are you oh, editing? Right, right, right. Um, so on Muslim Girl, um, the past few months of my life, I've been completely consumed by the business side of things okay because that's just what what my needs what what the needs have been for our, our publication um but i'm always managing our our online team uh, everything's like managed digitally so uh, i'm always in constant communication with our editors and making sure that everything is being covered that needs to be covered making sure everything's like down on the uh, editorial side of things and um these days uh like a lot, a lot of what I do has has primarily to do with like outreach and uh, talking to contacts and things like that. You know, it's like all the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the first time where it's like kind of shifting from like my role as being a writer and being like the one on the website to like that to having to be yeah. yeah having to be like behind the curtain and like doing all this stuff to like keep the show going. You know, and um, so as far as from managing forty people to you know running the business side of it, is this management in itself is its own you know trade is this something you learned on your own or is this somebody something guided you through or just experience it? how does it work uh, i'm still constantly learning it's, mm-hmm. it's a learning experience for me that's the thing is that uh i keep telling myself why didn't i study like business in college or something it's so much more useful in real life even if but, you studied business you probably wouldn't gain that much yeah right like i i don't even unless unless you were working it at the same time and you can actually test out what you're learning then i agree i mean I studied international business and yeah. economics, and a lot of the stuff I was learning was useless to me just because it wasn't in line with what I was doing. But do you ever refer back to that education that you got or, like, something that you learned in those classes and be like, okay, I know this because of this class? Rarely, but Rarely? sometimes, yeah. I think, well, I mean, probably because I slept a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, honestly, like, a lot of the things that I'm that I'm learning now on a day-to-day basis are things just from picking up books and reading reading it or, you know, searching online there's so much you know information online that anything that you missed in college can still be learned today if you just are willing to take the time to do the research to do the reading and that's i think that's you know a lot lot of it is people don't want to read you know if it's not a quick article or a short little video they don't want to watch it so it's to me it's you have to be willing to pick up those 300 page books and dedicating you know an hour a day 30 minutes a day to learning something different i mean now you know and i use that time you know when i'm traveling um sometimes i I like to do it you know early in the morning i I wake up in the morning kind of put it in my routine because i know if i don't read it in the morning i'm definitely not going to read it at night Mm. and if you're reading it at night to be honest you're not really reading it unless your your full attention is there because most you're probably going to just sleep through what you're reading and you're not going to be really taking it in no, like for me, I didn't even study journalism or media or any of that in college. I, I studied political science. 
and Middle Eastern studies in college. But that's what I tell young people too. It's ask me how many times I was asked by like people that actually matter what I studied in college. Right. Never, you for know? For sure, for sure. And a lot of times it's, you don't even apply what you study to what you're doing, this and that. Like for me, one thing that's really funny to me that has been happening is my little brother tells me all the time. Like, so my little brother goes to the high school that I went to that I graduated from. And, uh, all these girls that hit at, at our old high school, or my old high school, the high school he goes to now, all these girls are always coming up to him to ask him questions about me. Hmm. And these girls, he told me one time, came up to him and asked him, what did Amani study in college? Because I want to study exactly what she did. I want to do exactly what she's doing right now, you know? And it goes back to everyone wanting like a formula to success. Right, and obviously, right. I was the same exact way when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I was reading up Wikipedia biographies of all the people that I wanted to be like. I was just like, okay, what did they do Like when they were my age? Where, you know, what did they study or whatever? But that's the thing. It's like, all right, I can tell you that I studied political science. You could go study political science, but what the hell does that have to do with what I'm doing right now? Right. Or like, what guarantee does that get you that you're going to do whatever like another person's doing at that time? Like, it's always... I think that our formalized and very capitalistic institution of academia these days, it's kind of, um, I guess we, we depend on it a lot or we think that it's kind of this marker for success or this marker for knowledge and things like that. But like for me, when I was in college, I spent most of my time outside of class. I was always skipping classes. My attendance was crap. And mm. I, that's because I found more, and I'm sure that you would agree to this too, is that I found more value outside of the classroom than I did inside of it and applying what I learned outside of it than just sitting at a desk, right? To be honest, I've, I, honest right here. Yeah. I've only skipped five classes my entire college term. And yeah, you've been doing all this traveling and stuff post-grad. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, when I, a lot of the traveling I was doing was summertime winter time but it's just i can't even say going to those classes truly benefited me you know i definitely there was a majority of them just didn't benefit me and i can definitely understand what you're saying about college not being is it's definitely put up on a, on a higher scale of what it really is i mean every day everybody now nowadays has a bachelor's degree does that mean everybody's worthy of of holding a bachelor's degree i mean most of the people don't even really yeah. You know, they, they don't even really understand what they studied. Most of, my, most of my friends, I ask them, what did you learn in college? And they just kind of look at you with a smile on their face. And, you know, they're not really sure what to tell you. Because mm -hmm. I feel like the whole, you know, the, as far as the education system, the way everything is set up, you're taking all these classes, you're studying for all these exams. All you're really doing is learning for the next test. Because as soon as you finish that next test, everything you just learned is gone. And then when the final comes up, you're having to relearn what you learned, you know, in the beginning of the year. And then by the time you come into the next class, you know, the next semester, yep. that's all gone. Yep. And also I think that there's a lot of this feel, especially, especially amongst minorities and immigrants, I think, or, or children of immigrants, is that the degree validates you mm -hmm. or it like affirms your place in society or something, you know, for me, I think that, I mean, uh, I, to be honest, I think that's even, that's, that's global. That's, you know, it, having it, a degree is. is like puts you oh, on this higher course. scale of like, of you know, I think, I think it's even more like emphasized when you are coming from that type of background, though. No, know? that's like very true. Us, it's kind of like trying to be the doctor, doctor engineer. engineer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. I mean, um, so like for me, the reason why I wanted to get a master's and I still want to get a master's and a PhD and stuff. But so the semester, um, just to clarify, I was supposed to start at Georgetown University mm -hmm. um, for my master's degree. And the reason why I seek higher education so much is because I want to be considered a thought leader on these topics. I want to legitimize what right, I'm talking about, right? Sure. Even and though they come from my personal experience. And 
you can't replace lived experiences, right? But for me, I feel like, oh, if I have that degree, you know, that affirms everything. And it's funny because you see that when when your name is associated with something, they'll have, you know, yep. doctor this or master's in that. Yep. And, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. It's just the must. Yeah, you it's see the doctor in front of the name, yeah. of course, you have to like. Nobody you know. cares about what you're learning outside of school. Yep. It's only about what you're learning, you know, yeah. for and the things that you're paying for. But then for me, like, so it, it was a really difficult decision to withdraw from Georgetown. But the same week that I withdrew from Georgetown, I met Malala Yousafzai. And then the next month, I got flown to Dubai for the Global Islamic Economy Summit. Like, these are things that not even, like, the professors I would be learning from have had, had the privilege of, of, of experiencing yet. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the, the rules have changed for our generation. Like, there is literally nothing that we can't accomplish. It's just about knowing how to do it. It's just about having that risk to be able to seek it. Um, right now, I think that we are empowered to do like 10 times more than what our predecessors did or what previous generations did in half the time. But it's just about, like you said, how young people are focusing. Right, their how bad energy, do you want it? How bad do you want it? You know, you could be you could be a 17 year old kid, but do you, would you rather go to the mall after school or would you rather go home and blog? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. things like that. That's what it comes down to. But I, we have the capability to do it. It's just a matter of if we want to or not. If we want it badly enough. Cool, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah, for coming on and sharing your story and and uh, being real about it, too. You know, I think it's you're a very inspiring person. I think what you're doing is a great job. You're opening up the eyes of many people around the world. Um, you're influencing a lot of people. And every person that I meet that talks about you says nothing but positive things. So whatever you're <laughs> doing, God. keep doing Thank it God. and do it even better. You know what I mean? Thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's a pleasure. So thank you so much for joining. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll put everything we've talked about in the show notes um, as far as where people can connect with you and so on. And, you know, where they can see more of uh, what's happening at Muslim Girl. And, and we'll keep in touch. And we'll keep conquering the struggle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mani. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Conquer Hub podcast. I hope you enjoyed and benefited from this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes at conquerhub.com for a recap of the interview and for ways to connect with Amani and Muslim Girl. We release a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And be sure to also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram for all future updates on future interviews.